Congratulations, you made it to the XFL. You can sit back and relax, empty your bags, and we hope you enjoy the show. Hey there, Mike, a.k.a. MTB Trigger here, and with me as always is my co-host, Ronald, a.k.a. Eric. If you are brand new, welcome. This is an Escape from Tarkov podcast where we talk about all things EFT, and our goal is to get better at the game, and we hope that you join us on that adventure. We've got an exciting episode today. We are going to be talking about 12.4 the one that came out just earlier this week, or what, late last week at this point? I don't even remember. It's new. It's fresh. And we're also going to talk about Factory, my favorite. So before I get to let my inner chat out and talk about some Factory, let's get our hideout keeping stuff out of the way. So again, if you're new, first and foremost, the best way to support the show, as always, is to share the show with a friend. If you know someone that's playing Tarkov and isn't listening to the show, let them know that we're doing a podcast. Let them know they can find it on YouTube or any audio platform of their choosing. Second to that, if you can leave us a comment on YouTube videos, if you can rate us on iTunes, if you can click any thumbs up, whatever, that helps us tremendously on any of the listening platforms out there. And speaking of that, last week I told you that the ratings were all messed up and they actually were. Because we actually have 131 ratings on iTunes now. So there was something buggy going on last week. It jumped back up to the numbers we thought it was. So thank you for all of you that have continued to support us by leaving real reviews and giving us real comments on there. Thank you so much. We have 680 Discord members now. We're approaching 700, which is crazy. There's groups forming all the time. We've got Sherpas helping out all the time. It's just really cool to see people meeting each other, learning to play with each other, and inviting new people into that all the time. So thank you so much for that. And this week, rather than just telling you about what we're doing on YouTube, I'm actually going to make a specific ask. If you're on YouTube at all, please go subscribe to the account. Please go to XP Media now. Subscribe. And if you're interested in factory, if you're struggling with settings, keybinds, We have a series called the Exfil Bootcamp series. We're starting to put out guide videos on there, and we're going to have a bunch more of those coming out over the next couple weeks. But I just wanted to ask, go subscribe to YouTube. We are so close to hitting some major milestones on that, so we're just asking for some support there and asking you to subscribe and just take a minute to go log into your Google account, which I know, it's a big ask, I get it, but help us out on YouTube. We're really close to some major milestones, so thank you for doing that. And if you're looking for me specifically, you can find me streaming on Twitch a couple days a week. And you can also find me on Twitter. Everything on the internet for me is MTB Trigger. And Mr. Ronald, the factory legend, the newly born. How are you, man? Let everybody know what's going on with you and where they can find you. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Uh, Yep, I'm Ronald. You can find me in Discord. It's the best way to find me. Uh, Just hit me up with a DM. The other way to get in touch with us is you can email the show at xpmedia2020 at gmail.com. We're checking that email address every day. If there's something that you can't send in a Discord message or there's just want to send over a different way, feel free to send it over with email. 
I'd also like to take a minute to especially thank our Patreons, the people who are giving us their real-life money to support the show. We really appreciate that. We gained a couple more this week. We just want to say thank you. Uh, Your support of the show in a real and tangible way like that means the world to us. And we know that there's uh, a lot going on in the world right now, so we appreciate Everyone who's listening, but we want to give a special shout out to the people that are taking care of us, the first responders, people keeping the shelves stocked, all those people that are out there in the world listening to the podcast while you're doing your job. Just know that uh, we appreciate everything you do. And, uh, you know, Tarkov's the game and we've got the real life thing going on right now, too. So we wanted to especially point that out and say, really appreciate you guys. All right, we're moving on, uh, moving on to this week's show. I'm pretty excited. What do you think, Trigger? I am too. So before we jump into the patch notes and then factory, and I'm sure we'll talk a little bit of factory right now, but uh, what'd you have going on this week, man? How's your uh, how's your gaming week? Well, you know, I talked about it a little bit last week about how I'm starting to push the mid game. I'm upper 20s for level now. I don't remember exactly 25, maybe 25, 26. And I'm really getting into the mid game now. In the last week and a half, I decided it was time to start really focusing on the hideout. And, you know, I've always talked about how I can make money and, well, it's a good thing that I can make money. So in the last uh, five or six days, I've spent about 13 million rubles on leveling my hideout. And that is, that's a lot of rubles. That's a lot of rubles, man. And so the hideout is getting there. I'm pretty much at the point now where everything is level two, level three. So it's pretty crazy. Dude, I know it's hard right now. I know it's hard. And you've probably heard me say this like 20 times in the last week. It's pain right now. But I'm on the other side of this pain. When you get your graphics card empire, your Bitcoin empire going, and it's really the ultimate like economy stabilizer moving you through the mid game and into the late game. So like, I'm excited for you to continue knocking these things down. But dude, I know how much money it costs to get through that mid game, <laughs> that mid game hideout, dude. It's it's brutal because uh, maybe you could speak to that for a second. Like there's this push pull of I like to see my ruble count going up, but oh, I have nine out of 10 graphics card. It's in my Bitcoin farm. You know, so then you just you're hitting that 300k hit every time you need another graphics card. Like, how are you getting through that? Yeah, so I decided early on after looking at like your hideout and looking at some guides on hideout that really there's two things that you really need to push towards. The first one is the Bitcoin farm getting to level two. So there's two different levels of the Bitcoin farm. So there's level two and level three. And I'm I'm at level two, so I have 10 graphics cards producing about three bitcoins a day. So that's about 450k a day that's starting now is just going to be produced in the hideout. And the second thing is the water purifier or the, the booze generator so that I can send scavs out with a bottle of booze to go out and retrieve whatever they're going to retrieve. And that's my next major push. And so getting to that point requires upgrading the rest of the hideout to level three, level three stuff. And to get there, I'm actually, I'm not stopped right now by money. I'm stopped by strength. I need to level strength. And we're going to get into that when we talk about thoughts on the kind of the patch and kind of what's going on. But I'll get back there again when we get into that area. But strength is really where I'm stuck there. So, but but besides that, got a lot of the good benefits of the hideout going. Like, for example, I'm not buying any med medical stuff anymore. I can make it all at my med station for just... Can you make IFACs yet? Yeah, I can make IFACs and oh, Saluias nice. or however you say that. I can make those. Uh, 
with just buying stuff from therapist because the next piece of kind of where again, pushing the mid game is getting the tasks done so that I can get the reputation with the traders up. Most of my traders are level three now. And because of that, there's some real benefits to buying things consistently, whether it's gun builds, whether it's armor, whether it's, you know, whatever. I'm starting to see the uh, efficiency and economy from buying from the traders. It's all kind of coming together slowly. I got a couple holes in there because in order to get the last like domino of tasks done. I have to get through some stuff on customs and uh, I hate customs so much. All I do is donate gear to customs. Yeah. Ugh. Customs is brutal, man. It's like, it's task central and we've kind of beat that dead horse like weeks in a row. It's starting to smell, but it is. Everyone experiences this, I think. I know I did. You're in it. You have to go back so many times too, because it feels like every trader, like you finally get one out, like you finish gears, you know, stuff on customs. Then it's like, oh, Prapper needs me to go there. Oh, great. Oh, now Therapist needs me to go back there. Oh, good. Jaeger. <laughs> you know, it, it doesn't seem to line up really well. So I don't know if that's intentional or not, but it seems like you're always going back to customs for something. Yeah. The frustrating part is I think it's either Prapper or Mechanic. I don't remember which one, but I'm way over like the spend and the level requirement, but I haven't hit the reputation requirement. And so I've got like two more tasks that I have to do. Yeah. And it's just part of the game, right? But it's just one of those things where it's like you work hard at getting the spend requirements early on because they seem like such daunting numbers, but they really aren't. They just aren't after a while. And the level requirement, it kind of just isn't after a while. I don't know how to say it any other way. Like I thought it was a huge hill to climb at level five. But it's not really. It's the reputation from the tasks because some of the tasks are just, they're just hard. And so that's where I'm at. I am deep into the task progression system right now. And I'm actually really enjoying it. I've run into all of the Chad PvP areas a couple times on purpose, which has been a different way to play the game for me. So I'm having fun with that. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of coming along. So that's kind of how my week's gone. Awesome. Well, yeah, for me, so I just today hit level 49 and I had a, you know, three hour session in factory, which again, we'll get into, but I played factory for three hours straight. Unfortunately, I had it ended by an ultra Chad. He out chatted me in gear and aim. I'm still thinking about it here now, six hours later, but he wins this time. But this week, I, you know what? I didn't play a ton of Tarkov, honestly. Um, I played a fair amount. I played a little bit of Interchange when it came out, got into that, tested it out a little bit. And then I played a lot of Factory. You and I played a lot of Factory, which is why we're going to talk about it. And then I know you did a little more work uh, last night when you had some time to play. And I, uh, I tried out Warzone. So if you're not familiar with this, it's the new Call of Duty Battle Royale, which me coming from PUBG, I'm always interested to see what happens in the Battle Royale arena, because that's kind of what got me into content creation. It's the whole battle royale take on FPS got me really into podcasting. So whenever someone has a new take on it, I go check it out. And I spent a fair amount of time playing Warzone. And I am just in the last two days, I am back in Tarkov. So <laughs> it didn't take me away very long. I think Warzone's a really cool game. I think it's fun. But the best way I've heard it explained by anybody was a guy named Hambino, which I've talked about on the show before. But he said, uh, compared to PUBG, Warzone feels like checkers and chess. And I, I kind of feel the same way, where Warzone is a whole lot of fun. You can go in, have a good time. I don't think you need to be grinding it all the time to be decent at it. But 
from a strategy element and gunplay. It's not drawing me in uh, like some of the other titles in the BR genre have. So spent a fair amount of time, had fun. We'll still go back and play with people that want to play. But for now, I'm uh, I'm feeling Tarkov like crazy in the last few days. So the only other thing I'll report, though, is uh, I've made no additional chocolate mishaps. But I do have all of my clips loaded full of ammo. You heard it right. Clips. Discord. It's clips. <laughs> no, seriously, though, we. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to try to do my best to say magazine going forward. I just had to give a couple of you a heart attack for a second. <laughs> but we appreciate the feedback on that. I now understand that it's magazines and then clips are a completely different type of thing that's really not used in this game. So I have a lot of magazines and they have bullets in them. So sorry for the heart attack, but I'm, I'm coming at you too. <laughs> Yes, and it matters. It really, really matters. And so because of that, we're a clip-free zone. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, oh, it's, it's cool, man. Like It's kind of funny to think about, though. We don't actually get a whole lot of extended play sessions. But this week, we had a couple, and that was kind of cool. It's been pretty rare for us to, to have that happen uh, with everything going on in the world and then just schedules. It was kind of hard to lock down a time to do the podcast, which is why we're recording it so late this week. But we got some time to play earlier in the week, which is kind of cool. So before we jump into what we spent most of our time doing, I do want to talk about the patch that came out. I want to go through kind of the big changes because a lot happened with these. And, you know, if you're not somebody that pays really close attention to patch notes and you just kind of jumped in the game, you're probably feeling the effects of some of these. And some of them you honestly might not even notice. Where I want to start, there's really four major things, at least in our opinion, that kind of changed with the patch. So the first one is the stamina system for arms and legs. So what they did is they actually split stamina so that your arms have stamina and your legs have stamina. I kind of want to take this on a personal level, these big changes, and I'll ask you first on this one. How has the stamina on your arms and legs affected your playstyle? Have you noticed anything about it? What what did it do for you? I really didn't notice it that much, to be totally honest with you. I guess I'm thinking about it a little bit. I did notice when I was healing, maybe I noticed, but not really, not really. I don't know. How about you? Yeah, it, it's kind of funny, right? It, I felt like this was going to be a huge change. I felt like it was going to be, oh man, there's two staminas now. This is going to be crazy. I didn't really notice it except for in one kind of critical way. It used to be if you were running through like shoreline or woods, the map that required a heavy amount of scoping, meaning you don't want to run into an area without scoping it out first. What I noticed the most was that I would be sprinting, my stamina would get low, and before this patch came out, that meant that I couldn't hold ADS very long when I was looking around. After this patch, now when I sprint, I'm looking around, right? I can hold ADS after I've sprinted to almost wear out my leg stamina, and I can now ADS for as long as I want and survey the area and then wait for my legs to regenerate as my arms are wearing down. So it, it actually, for me, and the way that I run around and play, is I'll sprint around and then I'll kind of scope like 180 degrees, and I could do that basically every time that I wanted to. Whereas before, I had to be really cognizant of how much arm stamina I was using, because if my partner or somebody I was playing with was sprinting ahead, I was having a huge problem. 
you know? So it's, it's a pretty big change. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you. Do you feel like you can ADS uh, longer or shorter? That's kind of what I was trying to think about there. When you first asked me what the change was, I was trying to think, well, can I ADS any longer or shorter? And I really don't feel like it's that much different. Yeah, I didn't notice it from that standpoint, which is, again, like what I just explained. That's the only place where I really was like, oh, yeah, I have two sets of stamina now. This is kind of cool. Outside of that, yeah, I didn't really notice it. Like, I wasn't like, oh, man, my arms fatigue really quick or, oh, I can scope forever. It didn't really feel that way to me. It seems like they balanced it pretty well, I would say. But with the endurance wipe, maybe everyone's kind of back to a good starting point anyways. I guess I maybe noticed that I could run a little bit less, but, you know, it really wasn't so bad that it ruined the game or anything like that. Yeah, I I don't think splitting the stamina was bad at all. You know, and you kind of mentioned it, so let's talk about it, unless you got something else on this one, because I think the strength and endurance wipe is probably the biggest, like, question mark that I have on this patch. Again, if you weren't aware and you're maybe wondering why you can't chuck a grenade as far as you used to or you can't run very far it's on this patch and i think it's related to the weight system and and you can probably hear this in my voice i don't really understand why they did this this is why i have questions on it but what they did is they reset every player's endurance and strength levels back to zero when this patch hit and so that meant for the people that had it maxed out had the Uh, mastered skill, the mastery skill at level 51 strength or level 51 endurance that got reset back to zero. And yeah, the repercussion of that was, yeah, your endurance is zero. So every player got reset to zero. So I noticed it pretty significantly because my endurance was up there. It was like level 27, I think, before the wipe. So like I could run for a good minute and not, not a minute literally, but I could run for quite a while. And it was like, oh my gosh, I can barely run now. So yeah, man, I don't know. I, I, I guess I have opinions on this, but what do you think about those? Well, my strength and endurance was not that high. So I mean, my endurance was higher than it is now. It probably was maybe, it wasn't in the 20s. It was maybe like level 10 or 11. Mm-hmm. So I guess I noticed that I could run a little bit less, but it wasn't so much so that I felt like it, like I said, like it didn't ruin the game for me or anything like that. It was just kind of something I adapted to. Yeah, I don't know. I I know some people have strong opinions on it. I'm not sure if I do. I just, uh, as far as endurance goes, strength, on the other hand, is something we should talk through because I, for the life of me, I don't understand strength leveling at all. (laughs) I don't get it. I have read what it's supposed to be and how you're supposed to do it. What I mean by not understanding it is I don't understand the design of the progression system for strength. I don't think that it's helping the game experience. And I also don't think that it's staying true to the hardcore nature of Tarkov either. If it really was about being just hardcore, when I'm an overloaded loot goblin on Shoreline, you know, with Bagception Burkett, I should be leveling strength, right? As I'm walking or running across the whole map to get out, I should be leveling strength and I'm not. And so I don't really understand that. I know you're supposed to launch grenades and you can level strength and all that stuff. So the design of it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. So, you know, what do you kind of think about this? Well, I think I have an overall opinion on all the changes and how they affect the game. Strength is funny, right? Because it didn't affect me other than I noticed that I was just like (laughs) lobbing grenades instead of throwing them. But I know that, you know, you need level three to progress your hideout. And I remember when I was doing my hideout and I got to that point, I had like 
2.7 out of 3. And I even had to focus on it then because strength is a hard skill to level. So getting reset to zero right before you did the mid-game hideout grind, like, ugh, ouch. Yeah, but it's it's literally, well, it's not impossible, but I'm not sure exactly what to do. I have played maybe 30 or 35 raids since the wipe mm-hmm. or since the strength reset. And my strength is level zero, and it's 0.2 of 10. Yeah, I was just looking, yeah. I I don't know exactly how you're supposed to do it. That's the problem. Yeah, so mine is, I was 7 out of 10, right? So 0.7 out of 1, basically. But I'm I'm at 0.2 after the wipe. And so here's, here's what I know. The ways to level strength are you can be overburdened, which again, there's an overweight system in the game now, which we'll talk about in a minute. And walking around with that, not sprinting, but walking, it's throwing grenades. And then the other one is hitting things with your melee, which may be the one that you're not aware of, or most people aren't aware of. So it existed in the game, and it still does to an extent, where the popular way to level strength was to literally get a friend, grab some grisly medical kits, and literally beat each other's legs and heal over and over and over. And you could do this really quick before they implemented the diminishing returns on skills in the game. So now, the best way that I've been reading to level strength, just after you were talking about it, is quite literally to take flashbangs into raids. And if you come across a scav that's close, you throw a flashbang at him and you go kill him with your melee. <laughs> it's... It, your response is exactly what I thought. Hmm. Like it it it's it doesn't make sense to me. Like this skill is so antithetical to like everything else you should be doing in the game. You're leveling up by walking around as overburdened. So you get a bunch of loot and then they want you to spend more time in the map. They want you throwing extra grenades or flashbangs unnecessarily to level the skill. Or they want you focusing on melee skills? Like <laughs> Geekse said it on the last episode where he's like, I don't know why this exists. Why isn't it just like hit level 32 or something else? Tying the new strength with the diminishing returns that you get on skill leveling to hideout progression doesn't make sense to me. I don't get it. It's one thing to teach somebody a skill and, you know, have them learn it a little bit. But when you set it so far out there at level three... That's crazy. It's, I don't know. I, I don't, to me, it doesn't make sense. It's it's going far beyond making sure that people understand how the skill work and like naturally leveling it up to being like, what? <laughs> Why? I, I don't understand it either. I think they're probably going to end up changing that. It, it's just, I don't see how, uh, it's a hard stop on the hideout progression. So, I mean, I'm in the middle of it now and it is a hard stop. There's nowhere for me to go with the hideout. Since I was stuck at needing level 3 strength, I got to that point at level 21. And like I said, I think I'm level 25 or 26. That's mm-hmm. four levels, and I'm at point two of 1 on level 0 for strength, and I have to get to level 3. So it's a hard stop on most of the progression systems in the game. It makes no sense at all. I, I would imagine it's something that's going to get changed, much like the flea market rollback to level 10, I think it was, from the initial level 15. So give it a couple weeks. I'm sure it's going to get adjusted. It has to because it, it stops all progression. 
Well, and I think one of the things that we may be overlooking here is that maybe the new strength is more likely to be level 3 when you hit that point in your hideout on a new wipe. But right now, for people that didn't have that requirement met, that's a lot of work that really wouldn't have been there before. So I don't know. I, I guess I'll say this, and maybe now's the right time to chime in on this. I don't really get negative on a whole lot of things. But I'm not scared to talk about like things I don't understand. And I'm sure that this had to do something with how it was tied to the new overburden system and the new split stamina progression on your arms and legs. But I don't understand wiping skills mid-wipe. You know, I think there were enough lower level players or higher level players that would have been willing to reset their accounts to test this. There had to be a better way than just resetting these skills because they're really important skills. You know, with strength, you get the ability to jump higher, jump further, throw grenades further. With endurance, it was running longer. And I don't know, man. I just, this is, I don't get this. I didn't understand telling people so soon before the wipe that this was going to go away. It's the one thing that I just don't understand because everything else about this patch seems like it was really good. And I was worried about it, honestly. I was worried about the overburdening system, changing how PvP is, changing how looting is, changing how, you know, people would camp more, all kinds of stuff. I was worried about the implications from that or what people would do. That stuff all feels great to me and I'll explain more about that. But I, I'm at a loss. I understand at a wipe, resetting skills, resetting level. This one, I just don't get. You know, and you kind of said it. There's some people that are, I wouldn't say outraged, but there's people that are taking a break from the game because of the wipe on these two skills alone. Yeah, and that's, I think that's unfortunate because it didn't have to be like this. There would have been plenty of people who would have voluntarily tested it. I mean, if I had to guess, I would say that this is the first step in some larger progression system that they're playing with or they're thinking needs to be in the game. And so, you know, they're testing it, right? It's beta. But it's just unfortunate because this particular patch seemed to have really punished the new, new people that are excited and trying to get into the game with the flea market change, which they ultimately rolled back. And it also punished the people who are very much vested in the 0.12 wipe patch cycle, right? Those people who are already grinded all the way through all the quests and all those things. And they seem to kind of found a way to ruin both of those groups, you know, to a certain extent, which is, you know, kind of unfortunate. So yeah, I, I'm not sure exactly where it's going. Like you said, we don't like to get super negative on everything. That's not really our style. But this one really didn't make a whole lot of sense. And I would even add to it that, yeah, it hurt early game progression. It hurt early game players, right? Originally, they were going to have the flea market at level 15, they knee-jerked that back to 10 instead of level 5, just like within a day of the patch coming out. And then you wiped end-game players' strength and endurance. But then you have mid-game players where that strength wipe really hurts. Like, there's not a huge section of people that were just past level 3 strength and weren't end-game. I don't think that's a big population chunk. I just happened to be in that chunk at the time of this patch coming out where it didn't hurt me really at all, but it was noticeable enough that I had my skills reset. It just seems like it was short-sighted, man. There was very little notice to the skill wipe. Man, they should have known that the hideout progression was going to get messed up. I feel like that strength requirement should just have been tossed. That would have been so easy. Just take the strength requirement out of the hideout. Done. Or make it level one, right? If it was level one, 
you'd probably be okay going and sitting in a scab tower beating someone's leg up for a minute, you know? But it sounds like you're going to have to grind that, like literally grind someone's leg with a crowbar. <laughs> it's like, it just doesn't sound fun to me. Anyway, I don't want to spend tons of time just going down that rabbit hole because it's, I don't think it was well implemented. And for the first time in the three months that I fell in love with this game, this is the one thing, wiping skills in the middle of a wipe, that I don't agree with. I don't think it was good. I think they pissed a lot of people off. But I'll come back and say this. I was really worried about what was going to happen with the overburden system. You know, they changed it so that, you know, if you're kind of overweight, it takes a second to start up your run. If you're really overweight, you can't jump really. It takes like two seconds to ramp up your run. And when I first tried this out, like the second raid that I was in, I had a monstrous raid. I had like three metal fuel cans. I had a motor, a propane tank, all this loot on interchange, right? I'm sitting there worried. I'm thinking about it like, man, I, do I need to worry about this weight? But it's actually really immersive. It actually feels right. To me, it felt okay. And I was terrified of it. But it was like, oh no, I have all this stuff. I need to think about how I'm leaving. You know, I can't jump over that railing on the right side of the Emercom exit and go down that grass field because I literally can't jump over it with all this stuff. So I need to use different cover. I need to think about how I'm going to get out differently. If someone shoots at me, I can't really run, so I'm going to have to fight back. It really made me stay in the game, and I didn't feel like Superman bounding around with like 70 kilograms worth of stuff on my body. I'm actually really impressed with how they incorporated this and, and the balancing that they did to it. And it certainly needs some tweaks, but it actually feels right. It's an immersive change to the game, and I'm actually pretty impressed with it at the end of the day. Yeah, I feel the same way. I actually, it has not hurt, I would say, the way that I play it all. I think that it's a... I, I like game decisions that during the raid force you to make choices that are kind of neutral, right? So their consequences really is just, okay, you need to make a choice. I'm going to do A or B, and either choice is good. But the immersion of the choice having to be made, I, I love that. And so I think that it's great that you have to make the choice, like if you're going to use the Emercom Xfil on interchange, you're right. You can't jump over that guardrail. You have to walk around it in the very beginning at the end of the ramp if you're going to do that or not. Right. And so you, you have to kind of make that choice and because of how much stuff that you, you're carrying with you. So I think I think it's great. It seems a little bit arcadey to me to be able to have the largest bag in the game and be carrying like five or six propane tanks and run around and just jump and shoot people. That doesn't feel like what they're trying to go for with Tarkov with the super realism aspect of it. One piece of this that I've noticed is that there are a lot less people running around with super thick armor. And what I mean by that is on the bigger maps like Shoreline and Customs, I've noticed there's a lot more people running around with level 4 armor instead of level 6 armor. You know, the chads are running around a little bit less thick than they used to because you can't. If you if you put on all that big thick armor, I'm going to run you down and, and you can't run. And so I think that that's an interesting choice too because you should be, if you have a bunch of armor on, Think about that. If you're wearing, you know, tons and tons of armor, you shouldn't be able to run around and just jump and whatever, because that's not realistic, right? So I think the whole system in general, whether it's loot or whether it's armor or whatever, even the endurance piece of it, I think that it it's good. It's a change, but I do think it's good. And I think it's going to be something they can build other things on, which is going to make the game uh, more immersive and more fun. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with it. I think the change is good for the long term. I think they really messed up their short term implementation, but I think long term it's good. It needs tweaks. I actually was challenged this morning or late last night. Somebody shared a link with me. I'll just read you the title of the Reddit post. It's from one of the sweatiest tryhards. Please disable the elite strength and endurance perks. And this is from Reddit user Disco Kenzie. And this is somebody who, after the wipe, has already grinded out elite strength and elite endurance. Okay, that's how tryhard this person is. Now, me personally, I'm a tryhard gamer. Like, I'm not afraid to admit that I'm a Chad and I look for ways to get advantages. Right? This guy is the <laughs> this is Ultra Chad who killed me in factory probably. Right? But what he's saying is that in the PvP areas. And notably, he's talking about labs if you go through and read all this. But he says, all competitive players have cheesed the new skills and are now facing opponents who cannot wear heavy enough armor to compete with us in any way or form. The skill disparity has increased massively and players cannot even loot the armor we wear into combat because it weighs 20 kilograms to them and it's nothing to us. Right? Here's the perk that's crazy. As you level up your strength, if you max it out, it increases your jump height by 18%. It increases the amount you can carry by 1,020%. Increases melee strike power by 31%. Increases sprint speed by 20%. And increases throw distance by 26%. And the elite one is only the weight inside and of your backpack is counted. Meaning all of your gear does not count against your overburden score. So what they're saying is the people that grind this out now with this new system, have such an advantage that it is a complete disparity and they are asking for it to be removed. And it's because I think, and he didn't say this, but my opinion is he's saying this because he's worried about PvP going away on the PvP maps like labs because people can't take the gear in to be competitive. And even if they go in competitive, they're not going to be able to carry the loot that they fought hard to earn out. Yeah, I think that's honestly, that's a great point because you're not seeing level six armor on Shoreline. And if you are, it's pretty rare. And I think that labs is a whole different thing. I've never tried labs, but you're right though. I mean, if you create such a disparity between the haves and the have nots, they're just not going to do it because it's not fun to get wiped by a bunch of chads over and over and over again. And you can say, get better at the game. And I can say, no, I'm going to go do something else. It's a game. Right. And so then eventually that group of people gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So I honestly think that for maybe not labs, okay, but for the rest of the maps, this was a great change. I can see how in labs, you know, whatever, with that whole scenario, it's kind of unique, right? That whole system is a little bit different than the rest of the game. But for the rest of the maps, for PvP and the rest of the maps, especially the open, kind of more open maps, this was a kind of an equalizer. And I think it it's making a positive change, forcing people to not just go in there with, you know, huge amounts of armor. Now, if you do have someone who's a tryhard and they've leveled all these all the way up, then they're just going to be good at the game, right? They, If you know life any game, you're going to be better than everybody else. For most people, I think it did actually level the playing field quite a bit. I agree. And I think that the long-term implications of these changes with some more balancing are probably really good changes to make to the game. I think wiping the skills was a bad call, that's my opinion, but I find it really interesting that in this game, and this is where it's so different from most of the stuff that I've played, most, you know, no-lifers, try-hards, whatever you want to call them, they don't 
want there to be competition. They want to literally douse it out. They Any little spark of competition, they want to stomp it out. But here's somebody who is one of those players. And you know what the backbone of his point is? I believe it's that he wants people to play and enjoy this game and provide good competition. And that's something that I've only ever seen in MMOs, right? It doesn't normally exist in FPS. And that's why the combination of the two is so unique to me. And I think it's so cool that the elite of the elite in this game are worried about players not choosing to enter into the battlefield. That's cool to me. I hope they listen to this because, you know, when I read that post, I was challenged because I felt like everything was a good long-term change. But now I'm not so sure with the elite strength and the elite endurance changes. So I just, I didn't even know where I was going with all that. But as we've talked about it and thought about it, I'm like, okay, now I've got questions. I've got questions on this, but I don't know, man. I'm really curious to see what people think on the overall changes now that it's hit for a little while. So, you know, if you've got a response to this section or the changes in the Discord somewhere, maybe in general chat, type show response episode 12. And then put your, you know, short or long form response. I'm, I'm really interested to see what you think after hearing all of this. I'd love to hear from you on it. Yeah, that'd be great because there's such a, there's going to be a wide variety of opinion on this. I'm sure if you really get into it, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see if we have any of those people who are at the pinnacle of elite that actually want this change. I'm sure there's people like that in our community. So yeah, that'd be awesome. Everyone, general chat, type this in. That's your assignment for this week. <laughs> We know you're home. <laughs> yes. Yep. We're going to give Sorry, you- I couldn't help it. I couldn't help it. <laughs> we're we're, we're going to give you a couple assignments because we're home too. <laughs> so the other big change they made last week was updating Interchange. And the first time, this is great, the first time that I played Interchange on the new patch, I was super excited. Two things happened. One of them I expected and one of them I- didn't expect and was just completely surprised. I'm going to leave it at that. I'm walking walking around and all of a sudden I hear the alarm go off, which now for Kiba, there's an alarm that goes off, which I fully expected that. So I'm like, okay, you know, it's on boys. We're, we're, in the, we're up there. We're going to get it done. So I heard the Kiba alarm go off and I'm like, okay, this is great. And then I started to hear like children's rides, really creepy like circus ride noises. And I was like, what, what? And, and so I, I made it out of that raid and I immediately went to go look and see. I'm like... Was it the arcade? Yeah. Do you realize when there's cultists on interchange at night with the children's ride noises? This is like, it's a horror movie. We've gone to the... This is like the second part of the horror movie. We've gone horror movie part two. It's, it's just the creepiest, weirdest thing. Those noises were like, they threw me off too because it didn't really sound like an arcade. You're right. It's funny, right? Because there's a couple maps that I've heard people be like, man, cultists on this map is going to be rough, like Factory and Interchange. But those are two of them. I think they're the maybe the only two maps, but two maps that don't have like a marked area. Nikita said it was going to be a marked area that they kind of hang around. So I'm wondering if they'll add marked areas or if they're just going to show up on all the maps. It'll be really interesting to see. Oh, they're absolutely going to probably... <laughs> They're absolutely going to probably, that's that's my answer for this, <laughs> because can you imagine like factory at night factory with cultists? Dude, that's like nightmares. I mean, if you really think about that, you're wearing night vision goggles, right? And all of a sudden you see like a something, whatever they're going to look like, sprint at you, whatever, in the dark. 
<laughs> well, they're going to have a poison knife and they're going to drop, presumably, Pestily's gas mask hat, right? So presumably, they're going to be wearing that. Yeah. That raven thing or whatever that is. I don't even know. That would be terrifying. Right. Yep. So, you know, the game's just going to even be more terrifying than it already is. So, I hope, actually, I hope that they put cultists on every map because I think it's going to be a whole new uh, level of randomness, which will make things fun. But that was my first experience on Interchange. Man, it was uh, it was it was crazy. So yeah, I do like the uh, the new sounds. We'll just we'll start there. Yeah. Well, personally, I ran Interchange six or seven times since the patch, and it feels like the same map to me. I really haven't noticed any difference. The same areas are hot. The same areas are cold, and the loot seems the same. I've notably not found Killa in those six or seven raids or heard him. So maybe that's a little different, that people are hunting him for the new key cards. But it's like, I'm aware that they added new exfils. Didn't really care. One of them requires you to go out with a scav. One of them requires you to throw your backpack or your vest or whatever it is. And then the other one is the safe room, which requires a key, which I don't have. So yeah, the only thing I noticed was that they added alarms. I was really kind of underwhelmed by the quote-unquote changes. So I'm aware that they added the new puzzles, like you have to pull something in a toilet to activate something in the garage. Like there's all kinds of cool stuff they added, but they're locked behind some key cards and sort of intricate long-distance puzzles into the map, which I think is really cool. I'm glad they're doing that, but I guess I was all hyped up for some major changes, and, and really the only thing that's changed my game style is that there's an alarm near some of the stores. I mean, at the end of the day, Interchange is, if you're not hunting Killa, Interchange is just a loot goblin run. That's fair. And, you know, if you farm scavs along the way, that's usually secondary. It's all about expensive loot goblining. I, I agree with you. It's not really that different. When I think about Interchange, what's super fun is there's really two ways to run Interchange. For me, I can go either in the mall or out of the mall. So I, I've made runs where on the outside of the mall, it just hit all the different caches. You can make plenty of money doing that and never even go in the mall. You know, obviously you can go in the mall and do everything that you, you know, you would normally traditionally do. But yeah, I would agree. Besides that noise change, it's it's not really that different. And I haven't, I guess I'm almost disappointed that I, I don't really feel super compelled to try any of the new features. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, I don't feel like the game is pushing me to try the new features. They're just kind of there. Yeah, I think, you know, there's some intriguing ones, but again, they're behind keys that are really expensive right now. Now, the keys went from like 16 million on like day one and two, and they're down now into the couple million range. So it's definitely a, you either need to find the key or you need to farm up and get the key, which makes it sort of an end game type task. And I'm aware that there's a Ledex spawn behind one of the keys, like the Ultra Pharmacy key, I think it is, that's pretty common. And there's some new stuff that's kind of, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. Nothing's really forcing it unless you really want to get into it. And it was so expensive early on to get into it that you either had to get lucky and find a key or you had to have the money saved up or be willing to farm to get it. So it's something that I really do want to do because I agree that Interchange is really a loot-focused map, but I really enjoy the PvP in the mall, and I've still got about the same PvP inside the middle of the mall, and I'm wondering if I start doing these extra things that are around, if I'll get more PvP. So that's the thing that's got my curiosity turned up a little bit, but overall, it's been kind of the same experience so far. Yeah, 
Interchange to me is nothing more than a giant store. <laughs> so with no, you don't have to pay anything, right? So interchange to me is just all uh, all ruble signs. I don't really see any any value in much else there. But that's just me and the way that I like to play. Well, speaking of uh, store and looting, I think we need to talk about the map that really doesn't require a whole lot of that, <laughs> which is factory. We got to play a lot of Factory, and I don't really know what led us down this path other than, you know, you can get a lot of experience on Factory, uh, you can get kills there, there's some close-range tasks. I can't remember what led us into doing this, but for like, I don't know, for the first, like, the last couple of days, it's been all Factory, man. Oh, I very much remember what led us down this path. I wanted to play, and you said, well, what do you want to do? And I said, oh, maybe we do Shoreline or something. You're like, eh, maybe, maybe. You want to try a factory run? And then we tried a factory run, and then we just didn't do anything else. That's what led us down this path. So, you know, it was a pretty, was a pretty good path. Pretty good path. I didn't want to take my cutoff shirt off, man. <laughs> <laughs> Learning factory has been a blast, you know, and it's been, it's been fun That's to- That's shocking to me. <laughs> I love it. It, it. it is kind of shocking to me, actually, because Factory is not the place where, like, the rat is going to go, I guess, maybe traditionally. Although I'm finding myself that I'm a weird mix of rat and chad these days. But I think what it is, is the progression of PvP in this game is a interesting, like, development of playstyle. If you're not a traditional FPS gamer, right? Like if you didn't come from the run and gun kind of games as your primary game. Yeah, Factory, Factory's been a lot of fun to learn because there are things about Factory that actually make it super strategic. It's like if you get the high ground on Factory, you can kill until the timer runs out and no one will be able to really realistically touch you. And I have killed, I've killed Chad with a pistol, nothing but a pistol. And that's what I love about Factory, is that if you know the different angles in the spots, it's a high skill, low gear kind of situation. So I want to talk about that a little bit, right? Because this is kind of our strategic section. You brought up a lot of great stuff there that we want to dig into. But can you kind of explain this? Because I'm well aware of the fact that I'm pretty good at Factory. I still have a lot to learn, but I'm pretty good at Factory. And I love what you said about it's a highly strategic map. I think it's also fair to say that you just started learning factory, meaning putting some time into learning the map, learning what the high ground is, where it is. Talk to me about those strategy points. Like, what, what do you mean by that? What do you mean is strategic about the map if you dig into it? Well, you remember a couple episodes ago when I would joke about the big black box and shoreline over resort is the place that no one went on the other side of the fence. The real root of that is because PvP is skill-based. So when you have a large skill gap in PvP, uh, if you're on the receiving end of a skilled PvP player on a consistent basis, it's not fun. You know, I'm like a lot of other people. I will try and get better at something to a point, but if it's not fun, I'm not going to spend my hour a day dying for two weeks to try to get better. It's, that's not fun. So I just kind of did other things for a while. And in the process of doing other things, for me, I got better at shooting scavs, got better at more confident at using different guns in different, I would say, lower PvP probability areas, got better at sneaking up on people and shooting people down where I was going into like my, my spots where I would generally loot, you know, and I'm talking about like second tier PvP areas. So this is like mm -hmm. 
in the weather station or in the pier on shoreline, not in resort, right? I got more comfortable at noises. Like the last episode, I talked about using pier to really get comfortable with the idea of hearing noises outside when you're inside and that whole concept. And so through that transition, right, that's just time in the game. I started to say, I started to get more comfortable with the thought of, okay, let's go run in and play with the chads. Now, dying is dying, but having some kind of like some kind of idea of what's going on so that at least I know why I died, that that is what makes it fun. Because when you run into like a PvP situation and you die and you have no idea why, you can't get better. You're just cannon fodder for people who know what's going on. And that's the part that wasn't fun to me before. And so now in Factory, when I die, I know what happened. I'm like, yep, I heard that guy. I either missed or he had a better angle and I know where it was and those kinds of things. When you have that kind of knowledge, you can still die and still not be good. I guess good in air quotes. But when you know how to get better, then you can practice it next time. And that's when real progression happens. And that's when it's fun. So that's kind of where I'm at right now with Factory. Yeah, and I, I experienced the same thing with Factory. Like, I shied way away from it in the beginning. And then there was a point in my levels, probably early 20s, when I was like, I really want to get to level 30. And I think the best way to do that is going to be Labs and Factory. And you're probably laughing at me if you think that a level 20 should be interested in Labs. But that's when I started trying Labs and I quickly realized that I wasn't good enough yet to do that. So I was like, okay, well, maybe I need to learn Factory. I taught myself a couple of areas, and again, it's through a lot of trial and error. I've spent a lot of time doing pistol or hunter or budget AK builds to learn factory, and I would find spots to farm scavs, and I quickly found ways where if I could kill one other PMC and then hold an area, whether I lived or died, I could farm like eight to 10,000 experience on the scavs. Well, then that led to this branching out. Right, The first area that I found that I loved was there's a little ramp right by a forklift and I found that I could hold this little corner there and farm scavs coming from three directions and listen and avoid PMCs or kill them if they came close, which most people don't run through that area. And then I started branching out and learning the map. And this is the part that I'm actually really excited to hear from your perspective because I've known Factory for a while and then recently I've been working on mastering it. Like learning all of the different like sneaky spots, all the rafters, where every tunnel goes, where it comes out. I call that the mastery portion. Whereas before, I knew this ramp, I knew the office, and I knew the tunnel near that ramp with the forklift. I didn't know the tunnel with the silos in it. And that, that's part of the map that I didn't know very well. So what part of the map did you learn first? What first clicked on factory? And how did that happen? Learning the office is what clicked, but specifically learning how to clear the office is what's clicked. So transitioning from the breezeway to the office, holding the breezeway is something that you just have to kind of understand. You learn all the angles that you need to be successful at holding the office. You learn by holding the breezeway. You know, when you get confident in that, you know that basically they're only going to come from a certain directions. And But the most important thing is the sound. You know like what the sound is from each direction. So you don't even have to be looking. You could hear something from a direction that you can't cover because you can't physically switch angles and you know, oh, it's over there. That was the first breakthrough was understanding the breezeway and then pushing all the time into the office, shutting the left door, 
covering the right door. If there's glass, it's on the left. If you hear the thumps, it's on the right. And just waiting. Whether you have scav aggro or not, there's usually, if you're up there early, you're usually going to kill one or two PMCs or they're going to kill you. But there's going to be some people coming up there. And once you kill one or two PMCs, like you say, scavs start coming. And all you do is just farm scavs. It's crazy to me, if you would have said this two months ago, that I don't consider factory to be successful unless I kill like at least five or six scavs. I would have told you you were crazy, like way back in Xville episode four or five, but it's 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 just fun. For, for those of you that don't watch the video version of this on YouTube, go subscribe to the YouTube, first of all. Second of all, I just raised my arms in victory because I just heard Eric say he doesn't consider it a victory on factory unless he gets a certain number of kills. And I, I wasn't even listening to the number. I just had my arms in the sky. <laughs> Yeah, I've I've specifically turned away from the Xville because my my body count wasn't high enough yet. It's an interesting change in confidence, and that's the thing that I kind of want to get across. Like if you're struggling with PvP and you're like, "Man, I just die all the time." It's just there's a couple of things that once you start to learn those things, you get this sound ability and you get this like just being able to cover the angles ability and it makes such a huge difference in every aspect of the game. It's hard to explain. It just kind of happens one day. It's like all of a sudden, oh, the directional sound starts to make sense. And all of a sudden, okay, I realize if I sit at this angle, I know that this gun with this sight scoped out to this range can hit that far. And it's just, it comes from time, right? But in this game, it's so punishing when you don't have that down. It's maddening and frustrating when you're dying because you don't understand exactly why. It's it's a lot more fun now for me because those things are starting to come together. I am by no means an expert at all. What I am is someone who now understands at a basic level what's going on most of the time. And in Tarkov, I'm almost embarrassed to say that it took me to level 25 to get to that point. But, you know, I, I now understand what's going on most of the time. And so the game is a lot more fun now. I'm just thinking back to the conversation that we had with Geek Say last week, and he said something that has just been resonating with me, and it's that the number one most important thing that you can do for your progression in this game is map knowledge. And if your goal is to always be learning something new about the map, whether it's, oh, a blue key card spawns in this ambulance on resort, or, oh, this room has this in it, or, you know what, I don't need this key, or learning the exits on factory and all those kind of things, it's critical, it's the most important, because I would imagine that a significant number of people that will hear this will say, man, I've barely been in factory if it wasn't for a task. And I get that. I do. I did the same thing. I really didn't go in there until my 20s, and I wish I hadn't waited that long. You know, I've been doing an experiment for the last few days, two days in particular. I've only ran factory, uh, three days, excuse me. It's been three days, and I would say combined in those three days, it's been probably six and a half, seven hours of gameplay. And in those days, I have made 2.5 million rubles and gotten a bunch of good guns out, a bunch of good ammo, and I've bought all of my healing and ammo and everything out of that stockpile. So I probably made a lot more than that, but right now I'm up two and a half million rubles just from playing factory. Yeah, so one of the interesting things that happens, so pistol running on factory, you run right to the office, you, you shut both doors, get there first, crack the safe, put whatever's in the safe in your gamma, and that's it. And so I would say the best run I've had out of there was maybe 300k. 
the you know the worst run at that point is like dying right the least profitable will maybe be like 150 200k but what's happened more often than not is there's people ready to fight by the time that I turn around so I just I watch both doors they're both closed I wait I have clapped Chad in the head geared up and gone and fought so I did a pistol run by myself where I went up there I, I clapped a guy who came up and I took all of his stuff and I was good to go. He had an MP7. Game on, baby. And I ended up killing nine scavs. And I filled up his burkett full of all kinds of stuff that I found. And I, I exfilled, you know, with like 15 seconds left. Because I wasn't going to go until I had killed as much as I could. And I guess, you know, the progression of me as a Tarkov player, that's something I just never would have tried because I wouldn't have had the confidence in what was going on, understanding what was going on. It's cool. It feels good. Feels good to know more about a map. You can translate the basic universal skills, you know, like the sound management to any map. But specific map knowledge is so key because between factory and shoreline now and interchange, I can pretty much run and get a lot of stuff done. But I go to customs and I just die all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and some things about factory, if you haven't gone in there or you're relatively new to it, there's some critical things to understand about factory. One is only six PMCs spawn into the map. Okay, so if you're going in solo, there's five other PMCs that will likely be there. If you're going in with two or three, again, do the math and figure out how many PMCs there are. One of the things that I highly encourage is check and count dog tags. Because when I take people into factory, my whole goal for them is that I want to kill all of the other PMCs or they kill PMCs so that we clear out all of them. So that we count for the only PMCs remaining in there because then you're dealing with just scabs or player scabs. Because if you do that, you're basically saying, okay, my armor, my helmet, my gun is going to basically outclass every player scab on here and I really don't have to worry about scabs. And so you can farm the experience like Eric's talking about. So it's critical to be counting the dog tags, because if you get in a scenario where you have 15 minutes left on the map and all the other PMCs are dead, farm, farm, farm. You know, if you've got matches in your backpack, you should be killing scabs and trying to find stuff to replace them, get as much value as you can if you eliminate the other PMCs. Also to that point, though, knowing where you spawn in and where the other player spawns in my opinion, is the most critical piece of knowledge on this map. There's quite a few spawn points. Some of them look very similar. You gotta figure out which one's which. You know, there's a couple rooms that are the red metal walls with a door, and the only difference between them is where the door is within there, right? So if the door's on the right, you know which part of the map you're on. If the door's on the left, you know which part of the map you're on. If there's a little wooden door on the side and it's a door on the right, you know what the part of the map is on. So again, it's map knowledge. The other thing that sort of comes from running factory a lot, I now know exactly how scavs operate. I know how they aggro me. I know how to de-aggro them. I know how to trick them. I know how to figure out if they're crouch walking, if they're standing up. There's all kinds of things you can learn from factory regarding that. You know, how they push into a room, how they move, how they shoot, um, how they can shoot you in the face from across the map sometimes. So (laughs) you'll learn a lot about scabs running factory. And I think that's actually probably the second most valuable thing you learn 
next to getting some more confidence in your PvP skills. Yep, I absolutely agree. Learning how scavs actually function is a huge step forward in being able to really push in the mid-game. Because in the early game, you can do a lot of things by really not knowing what's going on. You can farm the flea market. You can even make it out on maps, killing one or two scavs. And, you know, you're going to be successful enough that you'll progress. It'll be slow, but you'll be okay. But once you get to a certain point, it's just not as much fun to just get into a map just to live. And it's really interesting because a couple episodes ago, I got into how to get over the hump. And one of those things was just play to live at first. And I still totally think that's a good idea. You have to play to live because playing to live leads to playing to kill other people to live. And so I think that that's super important. And once you get over that hump of playing to live and then playing to play the game a little bit more in a deeper way, it just becomes so much more fun because you've already gotten over the fear of not living. And now you're on to I'm going to start getting better at uh, PvP or, you know, PV scav, whatever you want to call it. So I think Factory is a great way to do that. I wish I would have kind of gotten over my fear of it earlier, but at the same time, kind of not actually, because I'm actually thankful for the progression in Tarkov the way it's gone. Because for me personally, I took all the different knowledge that I learned on Shoreline and all the different ways that I play on Shoreline and the angles and the sneakiness and all that stuff and translate it directly into, you know, a giant PvP brawl zone in Factory. I actually appreciate Factory maybe for different reasons than you do. We get to the same spot. I think there's some great places. I found a couple, I found two places in particular in Factory where I can sit up there and I can hit people on almost the entire map. And I'm just clapping people right in the head from above. It is awesome. And I can hide and get out of the way and they never see me. And so I honestly think that's that's a lot of fun. It kind of reminds me back in the day, there was this Half-Life map called Turkey Burger and Killbox. I'm old, so this is an old school FPS reference for you people out there. Killbox was a Half-Life map that literally was a box, an empty box with an elevated platform that went across it and two ladders on each side that went up. The map spawned like nothing but rocket launchers and uh, machine guns. And so what was fun about it, it was just constant death, right? And Factory kind of reminds me of that. Obviously, you don't respawn in, but it kind of reminds me of that system where, okay, you can see a lot of the map all at once. You know, there's different places to go hide, but you can still see a lot of the map at once. And it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting progression. I'm looking forward to getting even better at it. And as my uh, skill goes up and as my like gun mastery goes up, because now I'm kind of at the point where guns are starting to really matter. Now, ammo really matters, but the type of gun that I use really matters, right? There's a long time where I didn't want to take in a bunch of extra rounds because I'm like, oh, man, I'm probably going to die. I don't want to end up losing all this money in magazines and ammo at the same time. So now I'm not afraid to take in extra magazines in my attack rig. I actually go out of my way to make sure that I have large magazines full of bullets. And uh, those <laughs> magazines are helping me be very successful. And because, and because of the extra magazines, our factory runs have become a lot more fun. Like, for example, I used to only have 50 rounds or 20 rounds. But now, if you take in 250 rounds because you have extra magazines in your attack rig, 
you, you end up in a scenario where you can really get a lot, a lot more done. And there's a lot to be said about the self-fulfilling prophecy of if you bring in garbage ammo and play scared, you're just going to die because you're expecting that. But if you come in with halfway decent ammo, give yourself a good chance by having plenty of plenty of gun, plenty of bullet, and plenty of ammo. You know, you're you're playing from a point of confidence, and I think that that just you know it makes a difference in just the frame of mind when you charge on a hall. And you know, yep, I've got seventy or eighty hit points or whatever. The scav's not going to hurt me, or Chad's at the end of the hall. It doesn't matter. I've got a bullet holes here set on full auto. If he can absorb twenty bullets, he wins. I just think that those things are all just game progression stuff, man, and it's it's just cool. It's what I love about Tarkov. Yeah, you said a few things there that just really, I think, are so important, and I want to reiterate one of them in particular. I play Factory to survive. Now, I survive in a very different way than you do. On Factory, our play styles are probably more similar than any other map, but they're still different. You know what I mean? And that's the critical piece. And the reason I bring that up is there was a few times in the last few days where we were playing together or we had a third person with us and we would get some loot or we would get a nice key or something and we're like two minutes into the raid. And I want, I'm actually curious if this surprised you, but I'd be like, we should get out and reset, right? Because the main goal is to survive and to increase the wealth in the game. So there was times where we killed one PMC or a scav or got some good loot and I'm like, let's go. Let's get out, offload that loot, and get out of here. The main goal in Factory is to live. You want to kill, you probably have to kill, I guess is what I should say. And if you end up getting to the point where you can do that effectively and efficiently and kill some other players, you will have loot. And if you're not sure if there's other PMCs alive on the map, and you've got a decent amount of stuff, but you're only half full, take that stuff out, get back in there. You know, heal, get your energy and water back up, and and get back in. So anyway, I just want to bring that up that it's funny that the end goal is to survive. And that's really all that matters. And if you just get better at doing that on Factory, I think you'll enjoy it. Yeah, absolutely. The thing about Factory that makes it fun is it's so quick. So you can be in there for two minutes, find something and leave. Or you can be in there for the full time and literally leave at like a minute left and still have the threat of an exfil camper, you know, and, and still deal with it right at right at the end. And so that's you know, factory is an adrenaline rush from the beginning to the end. And I think that when you start to understand what's going on around you, again, I'm going to go back to that point because it's so important. When you start to understand what's going on around you, it makes that adrenaline rush a lot of fun. And so whether it's two minutes, whether you walk in there, you're like, oh man, I got to put this in my gamma because I found something that's super valuable or or you're in there the whole time and you kill 17 PMCs and scabs or whatever, right? I think factory just is is a lot of fun once you start to understand everything. So Yeah, I agree. And the last point that I want to bring up about factory is we kept talking office, office, office. And I realized that we quickly started talking in a way that someone might not understand. So the office is basically the level three area on the map. Um, there's a third story. And the reason it's categorized that is there's a scav exfil through the office window, which is in that room. But as kind of a location highlight on why this area is so popular is one, there's a scav exfil in there. But two, there's a safe, there's two jackets, and there's two filing cabinets. So if you're trying to level up your search skill, it's a wonderful spot to do that because you have so many things to search and get your search skill up. You have a safe which can have very valuable and rare items that are needed for your later 
find and raid tasks. And then you have two jackets, which can spawn crazy amounts of keys. I had one raid today where I made like 1.3 million in just keys out of those two jackets. So I wanted to bring that up as that's the office and it's got two doors that go into it. There's some, uh, there's a desk in there. It's kind of like a cubicle that has some barriers for you. And then there's a hole underneath, like there's a, there's a gap underneath the right side of the cubicle that you could actually see under and into the hallway that separates it uh, if you have that door open. So it's a really cool spot on the map. And if there's any spot that I would encourage you to learn how to get to it and how to get out of it to the exit three, which is the exfil that you always have, regardless of the other exfils as a PMC or a scav, learn how to get to the office, how to get out of the office, and how to get to gate three, the exfil three. Those are the spots that I think are super, super important on the map. Yep, I would totally agree. And the only thing I would add to that is to remember that when you're in the office and you hear glass, it's the right side. And if you hear stomping on wood or metal, it's the left side. And they can only get to you down the hallway from each side. So once you get that system down and what you're listening for, you just pick which door to shoot at. It's a good time. Yeah, and the the only other thing (laughs) is we keep having all these little tips and tricks. Depending on which headset you wear, you can pick up some other things. So for me personally, if I'm wearing the tactical sport headset, I can actually hear faintly the glass in the locker room area below as well as on the left set of stairs. So this is different for everybody. Sound is different for everybody. Personally, I prefer the tactical sport headset on that map because I get a little bit more vertical audio sound, especially in that office area. So he's spot on on where those directions are, but just know that if you're using different headsets, you may not be able to catch those specific noises. So I would encourage you to try a couple different headsets as well on this map to make sure you find the right one. Yeah, that's actually really good advice. The The headsets make such a huge difference and they vary so much in cost that it's more about what your particular ears hear versus just picking one that's always the right one. So yeah, I think that's pretty good. Well, well, I think that uh, I think it's time. I think I'm starting to see that green bar across, uh, across the screen here, of course. Our exfils are about 60 minutes long, but, uh, you know, might as well get that, get that started, right? <laughs> so, anyway, all right, everybody, we really appreciate you sticking with us. We're, uh, we're over an hour, but uh, we do appreciate uh, everyone sticking with us. We're at the Exfil sites. So you know what that means. We're seconds away from disappearing. But, again, thanks for watching this on YouTube. Thanks for going to YouTube and subscribing this week. We really appreciate that. Please go do that. Thanks for listening to this on whatever your favorite audio platform is whether that's iTunes or Stitcher or Google. We fixed Google this week. We're there. I forgot. We're on Google. We fixed that this week. We found a problem with Google and we fixed it. So thank you for your patience. If you're a Google podcast person, it's amazing when you start to produce a podcast, you find out how many different places people listen to podcasts. And so we appreciate each and every one of you that's reached out with your particular podcast place. We are trying to catch up with all of that, and we think we're pretty much there. So you should be able to find us all over the place. And again, thank you for listening. So for this week, we're going to wrap this up. Remember, you can always find us on the Twitters at XL Podcast. You can follow the show there. You can always follow Trigger at MTB Trigger. Follow me at Ronald Gaming. You can always email the show, xpmedia2020 at gmail.com. And please join the Discord. We have a very active community. We love helping new players. We love 
listening to battle stories from old players. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Everybody have a great week. And remember to scav often. See everybody. Thank you.